This week on episode 503 of Priority One, we trek out some of the big announcements from First Contact Day, with teasers for new seasons of Discovery, Picard, and Lower Decks, while Prodigy asks, please state the nature of the coffee emergency, Oberth Fools perhaps in Star Trek Online, a new study into the nature of loot boxes, and a quick look at Star Trek Legends. You're listening to a Roddenberry Podcast. Command codes verified. Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secure channel. Hello, Captains. Did you miss me? You're listening to episode 503 of Priority One, a Roddenberry Star Trek podcast, your weekly recap and review of all the major news happening in the Star Trek multiverse. This episode was recorded on Tuesday, April 6th, and available for download or streaming on Friday, April 9th at PriorityOnePodcast.com. I'm Tony. I'm Kat. And I'm Roscoe. Well, that didn't take long, did it? (laughs) No. It's like you never left. Because I never did. I was like, you know, I was getting used to having my Tuesday nights back. I was gonna I was gonna log into Star Trek Online, play some first contact, you know, just kinda kick back, relax, and the other's like, Hey, are you busy Tuesday night? I'm like, Oh, come on. I just I just left. Just left. It literally took two weeks. Like it just took two weeks and you're already back. We gave you an amazing farewell. We had we brought together just so many uh, stars from the Star Trek multiverse in a, in a multi multi minute live stream that went for 500 minutes to celebrate your farewell. It was multi day. We were recording all week long. We recorded throughout the week. It was a yeah. multi day send off. <laughs> I this was it's like long it's like long time. Coming. It was the best goodbye <laughs> I'd had at any job ever. And then then it's like oh by the way we need you to come back and do some consulting work for us. Yeah. Yeah. Usually you get paid more when you do that though. Was there a card? I don't remember signing a card. I'm sorry. That's what did it. There was no card. If I'd insisted on a card, he might yeah, he might not have invited me back so quickly if I if I'd insisted on a card. Well, I mean Then it would have been final. There's the problem. There's the problem. All right. Well well, you know, good. We've had that banter. We've had that banter moment again. So I I, I think we can get on the show then. And we want to welcome new listeners to the show and hope you'll stay in touch. You see, we're a podcast produced by the community, a community of Star Trek fans. So it's important that we also hear your opinions. Be sure to follow us on places like Twitter and Facebook, where we post weekly community questions, special announcements, and more. Just search for Priority One Podcast on your favourite app, and you'll find us. Or you can email us. Reach out at incoming at PriorityOnePodcast.com. As Roscoe said, this is a community podcast produced by a team of volunteers that dedicate their time and talents each and every week. From audio editors to writers to us, the hosts, we come together each week because we're passionate about the Star Trek multiverse. And like any passion project, it's hard to keep things running at no cost. So if you find value in this production and want to help us continue to grow, check us out at our Patreon page. There you can become a patron for as little as a dollar a month. But we understand that financial contributions might be tough right now. Which is why, like a community theatre group, we're always looking for volunteers, like ourselves, to help make the show better. So if you've wanted to be a part of a podcast community like ours, reach out to us from audio or video editors to artists to hosting. That's right, but we're still looking for an additional voice to be a part of our weekly conversation. So if you've got a lot to say about Star Trek, we encourage you to visit our website, PriorityOnePodcast.com, and click on the Join the Team link at the top. There you'll find a description of all the available positions you can contribute to. And just because I keep showing up doesn't mean we don't still want a fourth host. As a matter of fact, it shows you how critical a fourth host will be, otherwise you get more of this. I mean, really, this? No. We need more diverse voices. We need someone who is a member of an underrepresented community to step forth and be our fourth voice uh, on this podcast. So please click on the link on our podcast, join the team, and uh, show us uh, show us what you got. Now, let's find out what's been happening in the Star Trek multiverse. I don't know. Then let's trek it out. 
We're all living in uncertainty. They are the first words from Discovery's Captain Michael Burnham in the teaser trailer for Season 4, Discovery. And as often the case with the series, it looks at the world now and works to provide a reflection back to us through a sci-fi mirror. The first noticeable difference is the uniforms have a new splash of color. The gray Starfleet uniforms of the 32nd century have been upgraded. We now have tops of Command Red, Science Blue, and Engineering Gold, along with Medical White, offset with a black vertical stripe. So now there's no mistaking which department is which. In the trailer, we hear about potentially this season's universe-threatening problem, a gravitational anomaly five light years across. Where is it? We don't know. Where could it turn up? Not a clue. Who can save us all? We'll find out later this year, as Season 4 is set to premiere in 2021. It's a relatively quick turnaround. Uh, didn't they? Well, yeah, I bet they have a lot of people working on it, according to the credits. <laughs> it, it, se- it seems like it's, it's going to come pretty fast. If it's going to come late 2021, they were doing the Discovery Season 3 premiered in mid-2020. When did that start? Is that is that because they switched to the whole green screen methodology? Maybe that... That might be it. I was about to say, I think that could play a big part in using the Mandalorian style green screen stages and all of a sudden you've sped up the process because the work's being done as you're going along. All the effects are being done so that the actors can see what's happening around them. It's amazing. Yeah, so that was really exciting because I didn't think we were going to see that till 2022. And Saru get, uh, we see Saru as well which is great. There was a section where he was somewhere else with another Kelpian and then later on in the trailer he turned up oh, I think off to the side of Michael Burnham where he was in Command Red as well so is he on Discovery is he not what's he doing I can't wait to find out it'll be very interesting what were some of the other things that you guys picked up on in the teaser trailer um I saw Grudge <laughs> There was a big cat. That's really all that matters. I know. I was excited about seeing Grudge. I was like, okay, well, that's a significant, you know, moment of Grudge. So I feel like (laughs) maybe there's more going on (laughs) than we know. I think think maybe we need to like, that's like, they're going to be the drinking game for next season. Did we we get a moment of Grudge in here? Yeah, (laughs) we did. Okay, drink. Everybody everybody take a shot there. All right. I I will support that. I'm 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 a little I'm a little concerned. Uh, you know, I'm gonna have to put my concerns out there once again. I, I they again with the whole the universe is gonna die unless the discovery saves it thing. Can we dial it back a couple of notches again? Just because? Mm, I, I think no. No. Okay. I think right. it's gonna be no. It's the just asking whispering. For a I care about you and I'm gonna die like did you guys watch that panel uh, for first contact day with the women the you know uh, Michelle Hurd and Sonequa Martin-Green and oh okay I well it was fantastic yeah, bl- we'll talk about stairs. it later sorry this is radio okay. you can't yeah mm-hmm. sorry cats looking and we're like I, did, I uh, well anyway <laughs> my, one of my big issues with the last season was it was very clear that people can't do anything unless Burnham solves the problem. And, you know, Sonequa Martin-Green basically admitted that that was the, that's the formula that Michael Burnham is the, the one that always knows what to do. And I just don't, I that's think not that... The- Star Trek's always that's been an ensemble real, show. Yeah, I'm, I'm like, that's not realistic. They gotta have some flaws. I mean, Spock had to save Kirk sometimes, right? <laughs> you know? So, uh, yeah, I, I just wish they made it not so. I mean, I love her, and I think she's great, and she's, you know, obviously you can get stuff done, but not, does she always have to do it? Always? Well, that's always been sort of, I don't know, the central problem with trying to get a star in your show. I mean, I guess they, they, they kind of stole her from Walking dead or something so maybe they had to sell the show to her as a way to get her to come over but that's the, the problem is number one you put your eggs in that basket and if that star becomes unavailable gets a better deal whatever you, you know you kind of you're kind of hosed but i think it also like you were saying cat can't we get something else i mean can't we can't we have other people stepping up and doing it well contractually no we can't <laughs> contractually burnham has to save the day every episode so pretty sure no so i mean i like how you know some of it's gone about so I guess we'll see what happens. <laughs> Which kind of sucks a little bit because there's so many little details that I really enjoyed in that teaser trailer. Like we have a potential Federation president, I'm calling it, or Federation council member who uh, looks 
to be half human, half Cardassian. Uh, Detma gets a promotion. She's now a lieutenant commander. She also gets a, an update to the uh, the cybernetics in the in the side of her head. So there, there is a little less uh, machine going on, and it looks a little bit more natural. So that's very cool. There's a lot of really nice details. Again, it's this world of the world of discovery. This world of the 32nd century that we are brand new to really want to explore and it's it's nice to see that through the other characters as well not just michael burnham and i think that's that's the real challenge of of discovery if that's contractually where they're at but then there's so a whole world there you can't have it revolving around just the one character or seemingly you can but it just it adds to the challenge so yeah i i cross my fingers and hope for uh, a a great season four of discovery oh no but what'd you think of the uniforms i like them i did too <laughs> i think they looked so sharp i immediately think i can put my character in in that in stow when it comes out i can do lots of variations on that it's going to be great what you hated Space it Barbie Tony? is the true no, end game no this is what, uh, what my frustration here is that it was so obvious it's one when, when once they do it it's so obvious that they should have been doing this all along like you know the, you know they they tried to make it visually different and put them all in the blue and they went to sweden or switzerland to get the special fabrics and they made the, the little patterns of little deltas or whatever and I'm like why why the, the star trek formula which has worked for literally generations now is you make big bold colors and so everyone can tell visually whether you're a fan or a, a casual watcher that person's job is to do science thing you know how i know they're wearing a blue shirt. That person's job is to make sure the other people are safe. You know how I know? They're wearing a yellow shirt. That guy's in charge. Or girl. You know why? They're wearing a red shirt. It's it, it's it's a visual medium. It's a, a tele- TV is still very visual. You can tell immediately what's supposed to be going on. You don't have to waste time, script time, explaining to people what's going on. Yeah, I, I agree. I think that's why in like seasons one and two, the, the white medical uniforms were so distinctive because you're like, oh, that person's in medical because apparently they wear the cool white uniforms but yeah and uh that but that translation works just for the medical in those for in those first seasons though and they could and they they could have had that for everybody Right, which is, I think, like, what was so cool about seeing Pike in the Enterprise crew in Season 2, because they had the new uniforms, which were awesome. Again, because they knew. I mean, everyone knows immediately what's going on when you put those on. Right, you think that was the transition. So, Enterprise, everybody wore, like, the jumpsuit, and then, you know, then they go to Discovery, where it's the same, you know, everybody's wearing the same color, and and then they introduce it around that time, when the new uniforms come out for Strange New world so they'll all be wearing those <laughs> i have i have sort of given up on trying to second guess what they're doing behind the scenes in discovery because uh, i don't know yeah i don't know i saw the panel with the costume director which gives some background so it was pretty interesting uh if you had not checked that out while discovery focuses on the large scale event to tie the story together season two of star trek picard coming in 2022 is all the more personal the camera moves slowly towards chateau picard and we transition inside the home of the retired admiral weaving our our way through his study. On the table in the center of the room is a Bajoran tablet cracked and broken, possibly from the lost city of Bahala. A painting of the Enterprise D hangs over the mantel where a bronze sculpture of a farmer and a horse-drawn plow rests in the center. Picard's chair sits behind a desk draped in a Mentakan tapestry. On the desk we see a model of the USS Stargazer, a teacup and a saucer, decaf, Earl Grey perhaps, and a small Curlin Neskos perched on the edge of the table. We pass over a comm badge, a Dixon Hill novel, and a copy of Paradise Lost. When Picard's voiceover talks of what we wish we had done in a crisis, the shot sits squarely on the hull of the Stargazer. We then cut to a gaming table upon which sits a deck of cards and a solitary queen of hearts. The card dissolves before our eyes until all that is left is one corner and the letter that reveals so much. You. Patrick Stewart spoke with Will Wheaton about the second season of Picard, teasing the different times that we will see and have never seen on screen before. John Delancey then beams in from his boat, expressing his delight at the opportunity to return to the role and his amazing ability to age himself up for the part. Sir Patrick also hints at the critical moment Q returns and teases the trauma surrounding it, while Delancey remarks on the apparent ease he can slip back into character, describing Q as annoying and self-involved. 
one day I want to interview John Delancey and give him my trademark question. So how much of Q is you and how much of it is John Delancey's Q? I want to, yeah, all of it, apparently. Yeah, he said his his wife had said it's not much of a stretch for you to get back in that character. (laughs) I love the fact that John Delancey is just out on a boat somewhere, on his boat, just relaxing, enjoying the world, taking some time before he has to gear up into promotional mode when we start to get season two of Picard. And we just see more of him on our on our television screens and, and clips online. It's I'm very much looking forward to seeing a lot more John Delancey just out and about and part of Trek, part of Trek right now. I'm very much looking forward to this. And I think so many people are just because that's the original villain antagonist, the one that's going to just keep poking at Picard and poke and poke and what you doing? What you doing? Gonna stir you up? What you doing now? Gonna keep poking? That's what we want to see. Well, that was his quote, right? The trial never ends. Because I I didn't hear the news first. I just watched the trailer and then just freaked out when I saw the card and then the the quote, you know, the trial never ends. I just was like, oh my god, this is amazing. I'm I'm scared. I'm I'm a little you know, I'm wary. It could I'm go wary. Let's put it that way. Several ways, but I would what I first hoped was, you know, since Patrick Sir Patrick invited Whoopi Goldberg back for season two, I would love to see another Guinan and Q encounter. Yes, with the hands. What Yeah, yeah. What's yeah, that? The whole thing. Yeah, let's see it. I, I, thing. Yeah, I, yeah. Well, but I, to your point, yes, it could go very excellent or not good at all. And the reason I'm saying that is because the whole uh, it's you know we just had Easter right and my, my kids are too old for this now but the whole point of an Easter egg is that it's a little tricky to find right it's a little it's, it's supposed to be you're supposed to kind of have to search for the Easter eggs right now but when kids are little when you want to when you want to make them feel like they're doing good you don't really hide the Easter eggs you put them kind of out in the open like like on a bookshelf in front of the books like it's not hard to see it right it's it's not really concealed but it's there you have to just sort of like it's not things are not supposed to be there right like you look for your, you look for the things that stand out. That's how the kid, little kids find the Easter eggs. I kind of feel like that's what they're doing to us here. Like, oh, here's a little tablet, and here's this other thing you saw in an episode you liked. Hey, remember this? I mean, this is like, I kind of feel like they're not hiding any Easter eggs. They're just sort of like laying them around going, oh, there's an Easter egg, little Jimmy. There's an Easter egg, little Susie. Look, do you see that Easter egg there? Like, so it's less of an Easter egg hunt in a garden, and more you've turned up to the supermarket and walked towards the Easter egg displays and gone oh cool there they all are great (laughs) they're all my favorites i'm happy found them that's right it's yeah, it's right. It's it's Easter season. I go to the store with the Easter egg section, and then I I, I I can choose all the Easter eggs I want. Yeah, exactly. Yes. Yep. Who do we think is the Queen of Hearts? Q and address. Apart from Q and address, I think it's Beverly Crusher. Really? I thought it was because when they were playing poker in the season one with Data, that was like the cards that he was holding. Could be. Could be. My theory is because we had such a long hold on the hull of the heart of the stargazer in that moment about regret that the thing that Captain Picard regrets is not saving Jack Crusher on the stargazer so I think the Queen of Hearts is Beverly Crusher oh but it could be Vash because even Q and Vash used to hang out so that's true I don't know yeah, yeah I like that one too I do like that. I know, that was a pretty, that's interesting. I I didn't even think about that with the Stargazer model. So if Jack Crush is still alive, then maybe he gets command of the Enterprise. Picard stays on the Stargazer and doesn't get the promotion. So Jack Crusher becomes captain of the Enterprise. Something else happens where Jack Crusher introduces Cisco to Deep Space Nine. See, it's all coming together in the blender. You see? Wow. It's all coming together. That, that's well, that's the timeline. That's the alternate timeline that I'm I'm weaving. Well, so so I, I, from, from what I understand, the new showrunner of Picard was uh, the guy that did Twelve Monkeys, which is a sort of time traveling paradox loop sort of a thing so shut up roscoe oh so shut up. that's what because I'm saying. even I'm saying patrick here, stewart up. right that, he was that, saying yeah. we go to so many times we've never seen before what so so, oh, so shut no. up roscoe don't get my hopes up <gasps> wibbly wobbly timey wimey oh, timey no wimey i love stuff. it can't yeah. wait all that 
Paramount Plus also announced season two of Lower Decks will premiere later this year. And like any episode of Lower Decks, there's a lot of detail in a short amount of time. We see the Cerritos with Marin, Attendee and Rutherford hanging out. We cut to a Miranda-class starship, the USS McDuff, activating evasive manoeuvres. Then out of nowhere, a Mugatu! Mariner shows off her sweet Anbo-Jitsu moves, red suit and all. Commander Ransom seems to have godlike powers. Then cut to a pack-led phaser party. A group of Cardassians get their butts kicked by Mariner wearing 80s workout gear. There are four lights! All hell breaks loose when snakes grow arms and attack Tendi. Then we relax with the lower deckers in the comfort of the brig. But where is Boimler, you ask? He's staring into the void and screaming for all to hear. Captain Riker throws out some more jazz references, but sadly Boimler didn't get the joke as the Titan moves into some sort of wormhole or spatial distortion while under fire from multiple craft. Season 2 of Lower Decks will premiere on Thursday, August 12, 2021. There's a lot. And it's been renewed for a third season. Oh, fantastic. That was also announced on First Contact Day as well from Mike McMahon. Yeah, that's... yeah. Just just order like four or five more right now. Just to make sure you lock everybody in. Uh, People keep on drawing the comparisons with Rick and Morty and just going, oh, it's Star Trek Rick and Morty. Yeah, Yeah, okay, cool. I like both of those things. That's fine. But But it's it's not. not, But it's not. It's not Star no. Trek Rick and Morty. It's really not. No, no, it's not. It's so good. It's 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 unique. I think it's its own I thing. I mean, I, I appreciate again. Mike McMahon's thoughtfulness in the show he wanted to put together intentionally, you know, intentionally making the B storyline the main storyline and not, you know, worrying about the uber drama happening on the bridge. That's fantastic. What an amazing vision he has. This... And Kat, you've hit it on the head, and we talked about this in several of our interviews. A lot of modern TV, and for forever, has been, let's see what works. You know, we get into the production, we start working with the actors, we start working with the crew, we lose people, we gain people, and we kind of just see where the thing happens. And there's 80,000 executive producers all who have their hands in it somehow. Contrast that with Lower Decks, where there is a guy with a vision who sells that vision to a team. The team buys the vision, the team works on the vision together, the cast uh, then gets a hold of that vision and goes, oh, oh, wow, this is great. They throw themselves into the roles and they put deliver great performances. I mean, I think that is a, lo- a, a big difference between Lower Decks and a lot of the other Star Trek shows that we've, you know, the other two that we've got right now is that they all, everyone's working towards the same goal, the same purpose. They have an idea of what they're trying to do and they... Yeah, do. It's, it's fantastically put together and also in First Contact Day during one of the panels with all... Speaking of Star Trek comedy, Mike McMahon talked about how he was willing to let his team improvise, that the voice actors, based on their improv, that may change like how they develop the character, actually. And I thought that was amazing. Like He gives them... He said, given the group of talent that he has, he loves when they improvise and adds depth to, depth to the characters. And that works so well because everyone's bought into them. Like, like I said, McMahon has sold his his crew, his his you know his animation people, his script people. Everyone knows what they're trying to do, and everyone has, has bought into the characters and to the end of the story. And then when you give this to the actors, everyone's like, "Oh, we get it." And so when they riff on it a little bit, everyone's like, "Yeah, what you did there that we that's what we were, that's what we were going." for but you found it that yes that's better and that but again starts at the top with one guy with a vision and or a girl it could be a girl with a vision and and then they they sell it to everybody and everybody buys it. i think it's a good reason i think it's a a good way to basically get jack quaid to scream more because whether he's actually just screaming <laughs> or scream talking and being freaked out there is something about that that just continues to tickle my funny bone every single time. It is just wonderful because he's so panicked and it's it's the same sort of reaction I feel like a lot of us would have if we were put into that sci-fi situation. It's it's the every man every every person reaction and yeah, it's it's just really really quite joyous. He kind of plays the same character in The Boys. I mean, uh, and poor guy, I hope he doesn't get typecast, but yeah, he kind of that's kind of his character in the Amazon Prime series The Boys where he's kind of the every man thrown into this world where everyone else has superpowers. So, but yeah, I th- uh, but he, he's he, he does, he does yeah, have that he voice. Yeah, he does it he very really well. I think he's amazing. And, oh and Tony Newsom. 
freaking amazing. She's oh, I love her. I very much enjoyed seeing a Miranda-class starship with coloured nacelles because they had the red and the blue yeah, that's of oh, yeah. the coloured nacelles. Mm, not always, no. It's it canon is now. now. It, it's well, that, canon that now. is the power it is of, of lower decks. They can make that canon. But it's, it's very nice to see. It looked great. And finally, we received a brief synopsis about the other animated series coming out, Star Trek Prodigy. Co-creator Dan Hageman confirmed that the series is set in the Delta Quadrant in the year 2383. It features a group of young aliens who find a lost Starfleet vessel that happens to be equipped with an EJH, Emergency Janeway Hologram. This training hologram was designed to assist a crew that may have strayed too far off course and is probably programmed to locate coffee in any nearby nebula. The animation for the Janeway Hologram was also revealed during First Contact Day, with Kate Mulgrew noting that the Hageman brothers insisted on, quote, making the character so beautiful, end quote. Well, she does look fantastic. I don't know if you guys saw the artwork, but I was really surprised with how amazing it looked uh, in the, you know, when they were showing stills of the crew and Janeway, I was just, I- I'm totally going to watch the show. It looks awesome. The great thing about animation is, Kat, is that you always look good in animation. I don't know if you've seen the animation that we have for, for our oh, little... Oh, from Jason the, Smith? Uh, yes. ...things for the show. Yeah. I mean, I look great. I'm like 40 pounds lighter. I mean, my, my beard is like just artistic. I mean, I'm only a lieutenant, though. I, sh- I should have had words with him about that. I'm only a lieutenant. I don't think that's right. Jason did right. finish my little avatar in the past week, and it is excellent work. It's very, very nice. Although he did supply it first time around where it was just the goatee because I think he had taken perhaps your model and revised it. And I said, oh, uh, see, I've got I've got a beard. So he has since, since rectified that and it looks fantastic. That leads us to our first community question. With all the new Star Trek updates, what was the biggest surprise for you? Was there anything you were hoping they were going to announce? Let us know in the comments section for this episode at PriorityOnePodcast.com or by replying to our community question post on our social media channels like Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Well, Captains, that's all the news we have to trek out this week. Now, let's find out what's happening in the world of Star Trek gaming. Welcome aboard, Captain. High score. It was a quiet Friday morning at Ambassador Kale's house. Coffee had been achieved, the toast was buttered, Star Trek Online's dutiful community manager opened up his Twitter feed and spit coffee all over his keyboard. At least, if his post from April 2nd is any indication, that's what happened. Quote, Morning folks, did anything interesting happen while I was, what the F? End quote. What was all the fuss? Well, it was an 11.59pm April Fool's Day post to the official Stowe Twitter account. If it's not just an April Fool's prank, then it might spell doom for Kale's jokingly vocal anti-T6 Oberth crusade. The post in question sported two images of what can only be a 2411 treatment of the Oberth class. The images were captioned, quote, Kale's asleep. Post it, post it, post it! End quote. Yes, it was still April Fool's, but consider someone clearly spent the time to model this 2411 Oberth to what looks like at least late stage work in progress. It's worth remembering that on a recent live stream of his work, Thomas Maroney pointed out that they sometimes have the ship art done well before the systems designers have the ship built. So perhaps that's the case here. But in any case, it's hope for those Oberth fans among you, Captains. This is, in addition to the Duolingo toilet paper, this is a thing that was an April Fool's joke that must become real. Why, Tony? Because we ha- do tell. Because we have enough tiny little tier six Klingon Burrells floating ar- floating around out there. I need a tier six Oberth. That must happen. I want a four. Uh, no, it's a science ship, so it'll have to be a, a four forward three, three aft. Three. A three. Is it a three four, three? Three three. It could no, be. I a want three, a four three. two. I want a four two yeah. science ship. What? They I don't want, even make those. They do now. The tier six <laughs> Oberth is a four You're crazy. two. You're crazy, no, man. That's, no, this is no. You know what it is? It no. It's a 5-1, it's a, and it's canon because the Oberth what? got taken out with a single shot from the back in Star Trek Three. It's canon. It's canon that the Oberth can't defend its rear arc. That is that is canon. So it's a 5-1 science ship with Intel. No, it can't be Intel because they have no idea what's going on around them. It has to be a, a, a miracle worker because it's a miracle that ship survives at all. A, a miracle worker in a science ship. That's what it is. It's a 5-1 miracle worker science ship. Book it, print it, done. 
there. Does it have a universal console slot? Absolutely, it does. No, that's a tier six X. You have to, you have to, you have to upgrade it to the tier well, you six. Can, X. No, you can still have a universal console slot on a tier six. Yeah, some of and those. And then if you make it an X, then it adds another one. Then yes. That's true. Then yes, that's that is that is the thing. That is how it is for sure. So phaser build on that one. I think uh, cannon. Would you keep boat, it cannon? Right? Yeah, I mean you have Cannons. to. Yeah, it, it's it can't defend its. No, you don't have to. Yeah, you do. Yeah. You put some alliance alliance shielding on that. The alliance uh, alliance anti-proton beam, and all of a sudden everything's. I've been doing everything anti-proton lately. <laughs> Everyone does anti-proton stuff. Everyone does, and it's just great. Everyone does anti-proton. I've been, I've been rocking anti-proton mm. since the Iconian set, buddy. I'm it's a disruptor me. fan myself. I like those all the flavors, but I'd still be down for a T6 over it. So I really hope this is a you know April Fool's Day come turns Five, real one, miracle worker. <laughs> I don't know about all that, but. But yeah. still be awesome. With cannons. And I believe there was talk of toilet paper as well. Duolingo toilet paper. They put the, you know, you. I don't you, know what that is. Duol- I missed that Duolingo I missed that is, is a, is a uh, it's an app for your phone that teaches you languages. And it, it, it's supposed to, you, you do it in kind of bite sized chunks, like, you know, five minutes at a time or whatever. It's just like, you know, uh, uh, you learn characters and letters and phrases in foreign languages. So, that's so smart. So you put the little characters and letters and languages and phrases on toilet paper. And so, you know, you're just, you're just in there and you, you know. Gives you something to do. Yeah. Gives you something to do. Besides be on a, your phone. A little which bit is at a time. For your neck. <laughs> <laughs> wow. That could be their new logo, their, their new uh, slogan Duolingo, one, one sheet at one a time. One sheet at a time. <laughs> One sheet at a time. That's right. And then sheet. And then yes. <laughs> <laughs> sounds better when you say it, Roscoe. <laughs> well, everything sounds better when Roscoe says it. That's why we brought him on board. That's why he's here. <laughs> that leads us to our next community question. Would a tier six Oberth be a great starship in the game or the greatest starship in the game? What would be a fitting trait for such a fine ship? Let us know in the comment section for this episode at PriorityOnePodcast.com. Announced earlier today and starting April 15th on PC and May 13th on Xbox and PlayStation 4, you can create a new Delta Recruit character. However, this Delta Recruit event has been slightly modified. You'll still earn extra rewards and gain special account unlocks, but the devs have removed some out-of-date missions and added new goals with new rewards. For example, Reputation Mark reward boxes have been updated so that you can claim all of the Reputation Mark options, not just the ones that were around during the first launch of the Delta Recruit event, and now there's a reward for reaching level 60, which gives you even more marks, Reputation Dilithium, as well as Salvage. Plus, there's new rewards for completing your faction's Admiralty campaign, which features a very special Admiralty card, the USS Voyager. Existing Delta Recruits will be able to complete these new goals as well, and if you've already finished them, you can claim the rewards immediately. Remember, to become a Delta Recruit and gain access to the rewards, you need to make a new 2409 Starfleet character, a Klingon Defense Force character, or a Romulan Republic character during the event. Then you have to complete the tutorial and receive the special Delta Recruit Tesseract transceiver device. Once you receive the device, your character is an official Delta Recruit and you can complete the goals anytime and claim the rewards even after the event ends. I am so happy to hear this because for the life of me, I have not been able to claim the new Link mission on any of my Delta Recruits at any point on PC for some reason and it's still bugged for me. It's been so long since I've tried. I'm sure they fixed it, but I just cannot bring myself to play that mission one more time because it was just... Oh, it was taking so long. So this is great that uh, there's some new rewards. We're getting extra marks that have come out since the original Delta Recruit campaign. I think this is a very nice addition. What do you guys think? Well, I'm excited about the Admiralty card. I hate that this makes me want to make another character because I swore I was not going to make another character because <laughs> I have too many characters and I really should think what, about how deleting. How many are you up to now, Kat? Uh, 42, three, maybe, yeah, 43. It's just, it's a sickness. That, yeah, that's that seems like a lot. I have, it is. That's amazing. I have eight it or is. ten, I think it's too many. I have, I have nothing but respect for you. <laughs> well, 
I, I obviously don't play them all, but I have a lot of dilithium uh, across those guys. But um, yeah, I hate that it wants me to make another one. I get all invested in my new characters and then, but I have so many, I can't play them all. But yeah, I'm, oh, I love the Delta Recruit. I loved it when it first came out. I love all the recruitment events. I think I probably have like at least 16 Delta <laughs> Recruits. That's a lot of Delta Recruits. Well, I that's how much I loved I wanted to play of, you know, one from each faction of each school at the time because it was so fun. Well, I, I will probably wind up creating one for the just for the stupid card because I do like the Admiralty system quite a bit. And so I, I'll probably have to do it just for that. Well, it seems like you get those rewards automatically if you already have an existing Delta I do recruit. Not. I do not. Oh, well, then. Ah. Awesome. Well, if you're leveling a new character, let me know. <laughs> <laughs> I remember that. I probably you wanna, will be too. You want <laughs> you want to live vicariously? Oh no! You, oh, you don't want to live vicariously through me. You want to go with me? I got gotcha. you. Yeah, you yeah, want to, like yeah, right. Can I got gotcha. you. Run missions together. That way, it goes much faster. I got gotcha. you. I got gotcha. you. Lockboxes: a recurring topic of conversation on this show since their introduction into Star Trek Online those many moons ago, all the way back in 2012. Nowadays, they're so ingrained into gaming ecosystems, not just dough, that most people have accepted their permanence. But does that mean we shouldn't continue to look at the relationship between Stowe's lockboxes and every other video game's respective loot box and gambling? No, because as the mechanic continues to become part of the mainstream, it's important to understand the impact it can have. Even if we have been told it's not gambling because you get a reward in every box. In an April 2nd article on Ars Technica, writer Sam Makovich spotlights new research from four British universities commissioned by the gambling protection advocacy group Be Gamble Aware. What does the research suggest? Quote, the authors determined that loot box purchasing has a statistically significant tie to problem gambling behaviours. End quote. So, how can we mitigate the problem? The suggestion is to go cold turkey. Quote, the report leans towards starting with outright bans of paid loot boxes in software, as in the easily defined practice of any game-related purchase with a chance-based outcome, or at least requiring more fully transparent odds statements about the likelihood of specific in-game items in those loot boxes, end quote. The report itself says particular circles of gamers are more susceptible to the lure of loot boxes, stating there are groups which are particularly at risk. Quote, those particularly affected include males and younger gamers, with our survey screen of over 14,000 gamers also suggesting that those with lower educational attainment and lower levels of employment may be disproportionately affected. These factors, however, are unlikely to be limited to loot boxes. End quote. For a full look at the article and the associated study, check out our show notes. Yeah, this uh, this has been it's been a kind of a steady drumbeat. You know, it's picked up over the last few years, but I think it's it's getting more and more attention at government levels these days, especially with how much money a lot of these companies have made over the course of last year with everyone in lockdown. I think it's it's gonna come to the front burner once again. The study is more like a study of studies. They have, uh, the, the, the people relied on a lot of previous work that's been done and uh, a lot of reanalysis of, of other people's work. I think that we're all going to need to take a pretty hard look at the way the rest of the industry does it. Star Trek Online is not one of your offenders in this category. I don't think. I think they've worked hard to try to avoid a lot of uh, avoid a lot of the pitfalls. I did. I passed around earlier a chart in our Discord that I thought maybe we just kind of take a look at it for discussion. You guys had that, and if you got production, production mm-hmm. chat up. Kat, did you see that? This is around the motivation. Mm-hmm. Okay. Why people actually open a loot box. Right. And so the crux of the article is that they have engineered a system and have built their game systems around uh, the variable reward ratio, uh, which has its origins in feeding rats and pigeons uh, sporadically. They hit the little button and they don't always get the reward, but sometimes they do. It makes them want to hit the button more. And so from that basic animal behavior, there's a tier of influences now that make you want to get a type of reward. And so there's a list of about, what, uh, about seven of them. And I thought maybe we could kind of go down and, and see which ones affected us. Like, if we open lockboxes, what 
makes us do it. So Kat was. Oh, I'm he, pretty sure all the things are mine. <laughs> so, well, well, all right. So, so, so uh, actually, it, yes. All well, maybe yeah. not social well, influence. You go but through maybe and just a pick little bit. Well, the opening experience. I mean, that whole rush you get from winning something, you know, by chance, or you know, it's like it is like gambling. I mean, you're at playing roulette. It's the same feeling. You're at the slot machines. Oh my god, I won the thing. I uh, think there's a reason know, why the studies ding, authors ding, put ding, that ding, first ding. on the chart, right? It's the top one. It's that opening experience, that rush of, yes. you know, it's a surprise, right? Yep. Everyone has that. I mean, even right. if you say your motivation is solely to get lobby for Star Trek Online specifically. Uh, it is not because you want to win little, something awesome. Sure, sure. yeah. You want to you want a tier six ship. Let's oh, all kid ourselves. Absolutely. Well, but so that that makes you Roscoe. That that point makes you kind of go to the next one, which is value of content, which is functional or aesthetic uh, or whatever. There's the the thing in there is going to be cool. Like you know, it's going to be a or, awesome thing or worth a lot. You know, even if you're and it's not. a good point that they put in there as well, which is or cosmetic, right? Because we oh, know yeah. we love the space bar. Mm-hmm. So if there's other things that will make our character look great, then that's going for me. That's really going to be something that will get me opening a lockbox and, and probably a, a few more lower down the, the list. Uh, I find myself relating to as well. But the next one is a really big draw card. I feel, and that is the game-related motivation, sure. that pay-to-win progression, the pay-to-play. If I can get this, then I can beat the bad guys and do it easy and enjoy my experience a little bit more. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Skipping the grind. Apply. Skipping the grind, right? You know, it's it's the... Skipping the grind. I've got a ship that will make me mow through all the bad guys that much quicker, and so I will get, you know, uh, level up faster or do whatever. Um, then, of course, there's the next one, social status. You know, oh, you got that thing? Oh, nobody has that thing. That's like, you know, that you're... you Wow, that's super cool. How did you... Right. Not very many people have that. You must have really a spend a lot of money b spend a lot of time c beat the hard level on something you know you're spiffy because you got the thing then there's one that we all have to admit to just a little bit the emotive slash impulsive oh i am admit to that a lot (laughs) impulsive buying is like my middle name (laughs) (laughs) well okay i was i was teasing it up like there was gonna be some big things cat's like nope that's like no that's just right up there i'm like ah just buy some keys it opens the box because you know. Well, okay. Yeah, it's, it's, I have. I want to. <laughs> you need to go buy yeah, some scratches. They had me at lack of control. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right, all right. So then there's then there's the FOMO. This is there's the fear of missing out. This is when you when the when the promotions are timed or you know limited availability. You know, it's like if I don't do this now, I'm never going to be able to do it. I don't really feel that for Star Trek Online because oh. I feel like even well oh. maybe a little bit. Just okay, the, no, maybe with the D seven. All right. Well, so, I have felt that occasionally. Hey, hey, hold that thought. Hold that thought. Because, again, you're in my head and I'm in your head again. Hold that thought because so, we're going to come back to this. Because I'm I'm kind of defending Star Trek Online because there's there's ways that they're trying to take advantage of this, but there's also ways that they're not, and except for this one. I'm going to nail them on this one. Uh, but then the last one is the triggers or facilitators, uh, 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 meaning that there's it kind of relates to the fear of missing out, but that if you do this, it will you'll be part of, of, of something that's going to happen. You'll be included in an activity or you'll be mm-hmm. taking a part of an event that, that the, the game is is promoting and you're going to be, you know, social interaction with that. Uh, so so there's there's that. Like I said, they're pretty good with the, most of it. Like their opening experience for the lockbox, yeah, you get the rush, but they don't make that big of a deal out of it. You click on it, it pops open, there's a sparkly, and then it's done. It's not like mm-hmm. there's like a whole full screen event that happens for you when you do it, but there's a little bit of a one. So Star Trek Online mm-hmm. doesn't do too bad on this one. Value of the content, well, they give away a lot of skins if you have something like Maroney's been updating a lot of the, the skins to be screen accurate but that's not the one they hide in the lockbox. The one they hide the lockbox is a specific thing for that lockbox. So they do make special things for it but it's not like overwhelming. For a Star Trek fan you don't have to have the lockbox thing to get the look of a starship you want. So they do okay there. Pay to win, pay to play, skipping the grind. They're kind of guilty of this a little bit but they have lots of ways you can get tier 6 ships in the game. There are some things that are only lockbox specific, like certain powers, certain consoles, certain yeah, weapons. But, but yeah, but that's 
not. I mean, it's not necessary to right. advance or or have a good build or it, right. you know have fun in the game. Exactly. I mean, they, they put cool stuff in the lockboxes. Of course, they do. But there are other ways to accomplish those same goals that you don't need a lockbox to get. So they're pretty good on right. that one too. Uh, status and esteem. Um, a lot of the cryptic knows from early days when we told them about this. Everybody hates lockboxes. They know this, and so I think they made good decisions so that lockboxes are one way to get things. But there are other ways to get things too that are just as cool, uh, that have that same kind of cash, that have the same kind of aesthetic beauty or, you know, spiffy factor to it. Um, so they're pretty good at that too. Okay, so urges and emotional temptation and all that kind of stuff, I mean, that's everybody. You can't you can't yeah. drive around that. Yeah. You can't. They take advantage, everyone, everybody who sells a lockbox does take advantage of that. That, like, oh, just one more scratch, just one more scratch ticket. Just one more. This one's the winner. This one's the winner. I oh, know yeah, it. yeah, absolutely. That's, that's I mean, just the mechanic. All the flash sales, oh, hey, Hey, this is not sale. You should get this. Open all these boxes. <laughs> but I'm going to nail on this next one here. This fear of missing out. And it's because of the R&D boxes. Kat, were you going me, were there on, that, on this one with me? Yes. Yes. That's I have hated them since they introduced them. Uh, they're, they're terrible. They're absolutely terrible. And I despise them. And they need to stop. Ever since... A long time ago, when we had our first initial conversations with Al about lockboxes back in 2012, 2013, they've done fairly well. They're not one of the offenders. The R&D lockboxes offend me. I don't like them. And this is why. Uh, they, uh, you, if you, you've got to get them in limited time, even if you have some and save some, they don't count for the next time they open up. You have to buy new ones in order to get chances to do it again. So mm-hmm. this is the one where they're... Yeah, and plus, the reward definitely is not as comparable yes. to with what you're spending and what you're getting out of that box, mm-hmm. which we have discussed the R&D yeah. system, and, and they're aware that it has yeah. its limitations. Yeah. So, And also that triggers and facilitators section where we're looking at promotions and special time limited events, that's now built into the some of the core mechanics of the game. Here we are right now in the middle of the first contact day event that runs for 14 days it's time limited to that you can uh, purchase and buy out the event if you so choose to get a Martian mining laser if that's something that you want you can also play the event out day by day and not avoid the grind so that's a pretty good example right there of quite a few motivations in terms of spending money in the game not necessarily opening loot boxes but spending money in the game but that's that's the difference here is that those events are you you're the reward is certain you know that if you right. do mm-hmm. this then you will get this you don't have the time yes. give us the money you get this you don't have the money put in the time you get the same thing the difference here is that for loot boxes and lock boxes you don't you you have to put in the money and you may or may not get the reward that's the difference and that's and that's where the yep. authors of this paper really come down on 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 this stuff and why these triggers i thought or these these motivational factors i thought were probably the the key part that people who play the game need to be aware of that the gaming companies are pulling on these now again i don't think cryptic is one of the offenders here I, 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 well they're not the worst offender i i've told you where they're offending me personally <laughs> but, right but i mean but, yeah overall but I, yeah yeah having played like one other game i fully agree that cryptic is not the worst offender out there for for doing this but um there are other games that Seriously, wow! I yeah, and this is this yeah. is this is the piece of it that really I think that needs more attention than all of it. It's it's a forty page report. I read the whole thing. It's okay. I mean, there's some stuff I take issue with, but overall, it seems fairly well reasoned. But lurking in the background, there are new advances in this area that are making it even worse. Because as maybe offensive or bad or or unsavory as it might be to make it a game of chance and to lure in the gambling people, there are companies and strategies out there now where they not they don't make it a game of chance for everybody. They tailor the odds for specific players based on particular vulnerabilities. Like they'll bait people into playing particular games of chance that you have a worse chance of succeeding at because you're that type of player. Oh, see, that's not yeah. There's patents being filed on this. They're called dark nudges, and that's and that's something that uh, that just as gamers we all need to be aware of and 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 and, uh, seems appropriate. It's yeah. a really good name there. Yeah. Um, evil AI game, you know, brain controllers yeah. knowing your impulses. Yeah. The other one is predatory monetization. So, I, I mean, and again, I don't think Cryptic is one of the offenders here. I hope not. They better not be. 
guys. If we are aware of our motivations, if we're aware of the things, the, the triggers that game companies use to make us pull out the wallet, pull out the credit card, and we're cognizant of when we're falling for those traps, it might be easier for us to, to discern when those dark nudges or predatory monetization strategies are tried on us. So just it's, it, this is, I think it's a conversation that we still need to be having nine years after we started having it. Um, I think it's going to take on new dimensions when game companies that are able to drill down on your social media profiles, your your online presence, big data, and start to go, this guy visits the casino a lot. I bet he'd open up the special lockbox, which has a 0.2% chance of winning, not a 0.7 like we usually do. If we tell him it's special, if we give him an introductory offer, blah, blah, blah. And that's why I have 50 R&D packs in my bank. <laughs> Open them now because you don't. You no, have not to buy the pack. I mean, oh. boxes of oh. the packs that I already opened oh, that I right. didn't want to ship yeah, you... on. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> I'm like, dang you, targeted marketing. <laughs> See? See, they got you. I know. That's, I know. That's their bad one. That's and their I'm like, if one. I had just sold those bad boys for 25 million EC apiece, I would have had that ship by now. <laughs> Yep. Well, Captains, if you would like to take a look at that article and the study itself, which was tricky to track down after a few clicks, again, you can check out our show notes. Also, in other Star Trek gaming news... It's bedtime for those old scientists in Fleet Command, but Scopely's already sharing where the rest of 2021 will go. Players have a number of developments to look forward to, including an entirely new Officer Away Team system. Send your unused characters out on errands, sorry, special assignments, and receive goods should they succeed in their tasks. And if they can't handle even that, well, you can always send them to Starbase 80. Damn, Starbase 80! <laughs> Everyone likes That's the just DOS cool. system. You wouldn't send them to Starbase no. Everyone likes DOS. Everyone loves DOS. I don't know why Star Trek well, Online yeah. doesn't update their DOS system. They didn't update it. They didn't update their DOS system. Everyone loves it. George and Gracie are now crew members in timelines. If this sounds like an April Fool's prank, I assure you, it is not. George and Gracie are now crew members. Complete the three temporary achievement tiers before April 15th, and you can finally staff your ship's Cetacean Ops facility. Uh, assuming you have the transparent aluminum on hand, of course. Of course. And, and I hope when you finally get the achievement, then Scotty comes on and says, Captain Admiral, there be whales here. Oh, they need oh to that would be so there. awesome. I just want to pick up my mouse and be, computer. <laughs> Hello, computer. <laughs> Hello, my eye. Because <laughs> it's a laser mouse. I was just talking, I was talking to a very good friend of mine about Star Trek 4, and she just referred to it as the one with the whales. Uh, and we were talking about just how great a movie that is. And not just not just a Star Trek movie, not just a sci-fi movie, not just a movie from the 80s, just in general, how great a movie that is. Everyone knows it as the one with the whales. It's great. That, we that need to incorporate that, this more. So, yeah, you know what? We've got Cetacean Ops. We can have whales as crew members. Why the heck not? Rude bus guy, the punk, where's he? Uh, uh, how do I get that? Yeah, how do we get how, that how, guy? Do I get that in a lockbox? Need a jam box. Uh, y- y- yeah, mm-hmm. a loot box shaped like a boom box. That's right. <gasps> That's what we need. Yeah. That- yes. Yes, he's the grand prize of that box. All right, Captains, load up your favorite personal access display device and get set to enter the Nexus. Star Trek Legends has launched on Apple Arcade this week, and we've had a brief look at the turn-based game. You are the captain of the USS Artemis, a ship designed to enter the Nexus and draw on the unique properties of the ethereal energy ribbon. Over the course of the game, you build up a crew of Trek favourites from across timelines and universes to take on missions, collect resources and power up your characters. The developers explain in a blog post on StarTrek.com their decision to base the premise of the game around the Nexus, as opposed to other ways of putting characters in a blender, like the holodeck or using Q or the Talosians. Instead, they take the largely unexplored idea of the Nexus and expand upon it, incorporating the idea that it was made by design. In a familiar Ready Player One type premise, each character has their own utopian reality sphere, which is also infinite. So there's a lot of room to grow. Uh, The gameplay is straightforward. Tap the bad guy to target them. You can do things like use Worf's 
battle cry to lower morale. It's super effective. And there are your typical character class types. Engineering, medical, security, etc. I've only played a few early missions as it guides you through how to assemble your team, battle the bad guys, and power up your crew using latinum, protomatter, and biomimetic gels as some of the in-game currency. But it's also a brand new game on the platform, and it shows. I had to force quit a couple of times after the game froze at the same point. The artwork and the attention to detail is excellent. The Cardassians look menacing, and there are a few costume callbacks to Voyager and Deep Space Nine standalone episodes. So far, so good, and I'm looking forward to seeing how the game grows over time. Guys, are you ready to re-enter the Nexus? I don't have an I Apple didn't device. Like entering, I'm like, well, I didn't like entering the Nexus the first time, so... <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. I do have an Apple device, though, so I'm at least one step closer. Right. So, hmm. I, I, I'm not going to enter the Nexus in the real life, by which, of course, I mean the Apple ecosystem. I'm, I'm not going to enter that Nexus, because once you go in, mm-hmm. you never come out, like like Guinan said. That's you know, true. You go in there, and you, and you never leave. So yeah. But, you know, it is nice to have a Star Trek game on your phone, since uh, Trexels is not as cool as it used to be. That's still, still I, Look, I've played this for a couple of hours uh, as a bit of a trial and a test, and, and so far so good it seemed very straightforward but it did crash it just it just halted at Mm. at the same point after loading it multiple times so there's a little bit of work to be to be done i mentioned the costumes before and one was a callback to a deep space nine episode where they had to guide the comet through the wormhole because they were looking at putting the communications device on the oh, other side of the wormhole. Was that the one with the Cardassians? Yeah, so one of the Cardassian scientists, her costume is a, a costume for the Cardassian Scientist Club. Oh, that's okay. cool. Because they had cool hair, yeah. those Cardassian scientists. And and excellent makeup on the spoon as well, which looked yeah. very nice. <laughs> so, yeah, it was, it was nice to see that kind of attention to detail they even had on some of the Cardassians the the later uniforms not the very early uniforms where we first see them in the next generation but we also see like their weird helmets as well where it's got the, the eye guard and then the center spine in a helmet that's not functional at all or maybe it is for Cardassian physiology I don't know but that's in there as as well so there is good attention to detail in terms of how the characters look, the costumes and so forth, and the backdrops as well. Maybe just not the coding. They need some more attention to detail on that. They're working on that. <laughs> There'll always be an update. Always be an update. That's the news from Trek Games this week. Now let's open hailing frequencies and see what's incoming. Message coming in, sir. Hailing frequencies. Open. See, we are getting to know each other. Well, Captain's hailing frequencies are now open, and we are ready to receive all of your incoming messages. Last week, there was more Star Trek news than you could fit inside a Dyson Sphere. We asked you a lot of questions, and you being the amazing listeners you are did not disappoint. We started by asking you what you thought of the new Star Trek mobile game, Star Trek Legends, from Tilting Point, and available on Apple Arcade. From Twitter, P1 audio engineer Brandon Parker writes in, Not gonna play it. There are far better games out there worth your time and attention. If you want your turn-based RPG fix, Transistor is a far better game and worth it just to listen to its incredible soundtrack. Also from Twitter, Kaylee3Cubed says, eh, underwhelming. Then we asked, did you back the Voyager documentary? What perks are you excited about? From Facebook, Sue Perrin replied, I did, twice. I was among the first thousand backers and then added another smaller contribution so I could get my Janeway coffee mug. From Facebook, Eric Chung says, I backed the Voyager Dock, but nowhere near as much the DS9 dock. I usually rank DS9 at the very top of a series rankings and Voy at the bottom, but what's good for one is good for the other when it comes to the prospect of getting a remaster. Our next community question was, what did you think about First Contact Day and what are you most excited about? From Twitter, uh, this guy again, Brandon Parker, well he writes, Lower Decks Season 2 with a hype overload toad meme 
theme attached from uh, Mario Kart. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. I have to agree it's there as well. <laughs> and from Facebook, Eric Chung replies as well to say, I was most excited about the Prodigy panel because I wanted to learn more about the civilian-centered series. It's a cool twist to learn about how Janeway's involved. In terms of the trailers released, the Discovery and Lower Decks trailers were fine, but didn't really tell me much about what the seasons will be like. That I didn't already know. The new Discovery uniforms are cool, though. The Picard teaser was fun, ironically telling us more than the other two trailers did, considering it was mostly shots of a few objects. For our final community question from last week, we asked, Are you getting the new Legendary Bundle? What build do you plan on using? What other Legendary Bundles are you hoping get released? From Twitter, P1 producer, writer, and Rhode Island legend, Jake wrote, I got the Legendary Bundle and I'm loving it. The D7 is nimble, sports a 5-3 layout, and don't even get me started on the Space Barbie. Hashtag, there's a bird on my undercarriage. Do we want to dissect? Uh, personal sh- yeah. Agree, Jake. We, totally agree. Do we want to di- just dissect that hashtag? I'm, I'm not interested in dissecting that hashtag. In that, no, 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 no. It's good as, as it, it stands. Don't do a deep dive into that. Okay. Yeah, that, yeah good. Following my instincts there. From Facebook, Christian Matthews says, I pulled the trigger on this one. I really like it. I've always wanted to fly the Romulanized D7. I was always fascinated with it since seeing the Enterprise incident on an old VHS tape. It's nice having a legitimate Romulan warbird you can mark with IRW that uses a standard warp core and BOP decal. Is that the bird on his undercarriage? Wait, wait, what? Bird of prey. (laughs) I'm I'm hoping that's the bird on his undercarriage. I'm hoping that. Yes. It's my fervent, optimistic hope. But that's what he meant. He didn't mean something Mm -hmm. else. Okay. No. Phew. Wow, you took that in a totally different direction than I did. Well, I didn't want it to go that direction, but I didn't didn't know. I didn't know. I'm not. I'm not sure. He's a Rhode Island legend. You don't know what happens with those Rhode Island legends after dark. No. You don't know. Wait. You don't want to know. True story. From Facebook, Ron Pixler writes: A legendary scimitar would definitely be nice. I'd like the other races to get some love in a legendary pack. Example: Legendary Orion, Gorn, or other Klingon allied races. In fact, several other people listed the scimitar as a ship they would like to see have its own legendary version. Man, I agree with so many of these folks. Agree. We need that. From Facebook, James Montgomery replied: I'll see how they fix the trait before buying anything. Not sure what trait that was. Oh, the D7 trait? I think they did fix that. And finally, from PriorityOnePodcast.com, Sean Newboy commented to say no. A decent sale price, but no, just the same. And wonderful episode. Thanks, everyone. That's Sean Newboy saying that. Thank you, Sean. (laughs) Very much appreciate it. And thank you to everyone who submitted feedback this week. We wish we could have included more in this week's show. Please continue the wonderful discussions on our social media channels. Well, that wraps up episode 503 of Priority One, a Roddenberry Star Trek podcast. There are more great shows available to you on the Roddenberry Podcast Network. Just visit podcast.roddenberry.com for a complete list. Then be sure to subscribe to them all and share with your friends. And we can't forget to send a special thanks to some of our Patreon supporters like David K. Retley, Peter Archibald, Gerald Bosch, and Evelyn Moose. And here's a reminder of our community questions this week. With all the new Star Trek updates, what was the biggest surprise for you? Was there anything you were hoping that they were going to announce? And would a Tier 6 Oberth be a great starship in the game? Or the greatest starship in the game? And what would be a fitting trait for such a fine ship? Like a 5-1 layout from your worker. Captains, it's important to us that you get your voice heard and you participate in the conversation. Leave us a comment on our website at PriorityOnePodcast.com On our Facebook page at Facebook.com forward slash Priority Priority One Podcast, or find us on Twitter and Instagram at Priority One Pod. If you're still craving more, be sure to spend time with Winters, Anthony, Thomas, Gray, me, plus the rest of the Priority One Armada. Saturday nights, the Armada broadcasts live to review the latest news from Star Trek Online and the Armada community, including spotlighting some of our amazing members. With regular giveaways, there's something for all Star Trek Online players, whether you're new or a veteran. Follow us on all our social media accounts for broadcast times, and if you'd like to join the Armada, visit PriorityOneArmada.com. This episode of Priority One podcast is brought to you by our patrons through patreon.com during these difficult times we are humbled by the continued support of our patrons who find value in the content we produce each and every week 
visit patreon.com forward slash priority one. Don't forget to tune in to Priority One Productions Guard Frequency podcast at guardfrequency.com. Each episode, the guard will take you inside the universe of your favorite space sims, including a tabletop adventure played out by your hosts. And Heroes Rise brings you up to date with the world of Dungeons and Dragons. Learn all about the latest publications, tools, tips, tricks, and traps in less time than it takes to skin a wyvern. Head over to heroesrisepodcast.com to discover their secrets. Thanks to our audio editors, including Gray, Brandon, William, Daniel, Rand, Lennon, and Skiffy. Thanks to our producer, Jake, and associate producers, Shane and Thomas. Together, they help organize and write up our summary of the weekly headlines from the Star Trek multiverse. Thanks to our social media manager, Anthony. Thanks to our graphic artist, Alejandro, with support from Jason of the Priority One Armada. Thanks to the composer of our theme music, Chris Watts. Most importantly, a big thanks to you, the Star Trek community, our listeners. Because without your ongoing support, none of this would be possible. Enemy ship on sensors. Red alert. Ready weapons. Engage. we didn't do we didn't have banter, banter. we forgot i the know ban- that's why i'm like that's what the feels pro- awkward that's what the, because because we didn't have the banter yeah i mean i tell is, yeah. okay so, so ross i'm gonna make you read your part over again after we have banter we have to go back we have to go back and have banter that's what we have to do should we just start over no then? no no it's okay because i because i know what to do we'll just be like just did the did you miss me thing and then we know like right here so we're right here so i'm like which is why, like a community theatre group, we're incredibly dramatic. Very. And we're also looking for... <laughs> Hooray. Huzzah. It was a quiet Friday morning at Ambassador... Oh, my God. I sounded like I Ambassador. was from Minnesota. Minnesota. <laughs> Ambassador Kale's house. Yeah, sure, it's nice. <laughs> it's, um, it's very nice there. I, lo- I love I love it. visiting up there. We're, we're all over the place now. <laughs> Huzzah. This is a Roddenberry podcast. For more great podcasts, visit podcast.rottenberry.com.